Hi! Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show Podcast, which again, you can always subscribe to on iTunes. Please do that. On this episode, the Winnipeg Blues have a new general manager. You'll meet Terrace McEwen on the podcast as well. Ryan Bailey, the executive director of Hockey Helps the Homeless, explains what his charity does and who will benefit in Winnipeg from the money raised in the NHL alumni game coming up this winter. And Jeff Broad and I watch Escape to Victory and give you our thoughts. Sylvester Stallone is a bit of an egomaniac. You'll find out more on the podcast. Winnipeg Blues today announced that Terrace McEwen has been named their new general manager not long after the team was officially acquired by the Winnipeg Ice. Terrace joins me now. Congratulations on the promotion, Terrace. How does it feel to call yourself a general manager? <laughs> it feels uh, very good. Uh, very excited for the for the new opportunity. So when, uh, when did you join the organization? Um, so I've been with the uh, organization for the past two years. Um, I've been the manager of scouting um, for both of those years, so working alongside Jake Heisinger, um, kind of traveling across Western Canada, mainly watching the uh, um, draft-eligible Bantam players, um, just in preparation for the Bantam draft every year. So that's kind of been my my main uh, main job here the past two years, uh, working with uh, Jake. And I should mention that when I say the organization, I mean the ICE organization, which now <laughs> owns the Winnipeg Blues. So yeah, people don't yeah. get confused there. So. I guess what what is similar, and then I guess what is different about preparing for the WHL compared to the MJHL? Yeah, no, there there are a few differences. Obviously, um, our main focus both you know you want to develop players, and um, I think it's going to be a great opportunity for players coming to the Blues now, uh, moving over to the new rink training facility. Um, so we're going to be sharing that that training facility with the rink and the ice. Um, and our main focus and our main goal for the program is to develop players um, that can play in the WHL or for the ice or um, at the youth sport level um, or any other opportunities that may have. So um, that's kind of our focus and our goal um, for the Blues is to move as many players on as we can. Obviously, we want to be as competitive as we can be, but um, to move and to develop players um, to wherever they might want to be. And this isn't the first time you've worked at the junior A level, right? You spent time in the SJHL? Yeah, I spent uh, one year in the SJHL with the Notre Dame Hounds. Um, so very similar, um, you know, the academy-type model um, where you have a lot of teams playing out of uh, one arena. So um, very similar to what the ice and the rink will be here um, next year. But, um, you know, met a lot of great people, so I have an understanding of kind of how the, the junior A works. Uh, still have to familiarize myself with, the, obviously, the MJHL and the players and everything, but have a good understanding of how, Junior A works and, and that stuff and gained a lot of experience and a lot of knowledge from um, Clint Millamock, who I worked with um, in Notre Dame and other staff members in Notre Dame. It's a great place to to learn. And if you want to get into hockey, it's a great spot for me to start. So I'm very fortunate to, to gain that experience out in Notre Dame. For those who may not know, how do you get players to come to join a, a club like the Winnipeg Blues is it a draft in the MJHL? Is it, you know, recruiting? How does it work? Yeah, so um, every team in the MJHL has a 50-man protected list. Um, so that's mainly Manitoba players. And then um, coming up here actually on June 9th, we have our MJHL draft. So um, second-year Bantam players are eligible for that. So players that just went through the WHL Bantam draft. Um, so that's coming up on June 9th, and we kind of build 
build your rosters through that. Our primary focus is to get, you know, as many players from Manitoba on the team that, um, you know, want to move on, want to develop and be part of that culture at the rink. Um, so that's kind of how we, how we'll go. It's obviously still have to recruit and, um, you know, I think moving to the rink, it'll give us a real advantage and um, it'll be really good for the, for the whole organization, having all the resources right there um, that we share with the on-ice skill development and the off-ice um, strength, strength and conditioning aspect of it. Um, you know, we have all those tools um, right, that are, right there at our uh, fingertips. Now, is it just Manitoba that you're looking at or are you looking across Canada going into the United States? Yeah, no, it'll definitely be, you're, you're able to, to recruit anywhere across the country. Now, um, you can, once they turn 18, so they're done their midget hockey, um, that's when they can come out of province and, and go into different leagues. So, um, you know, we'll probably be a bit of a younger team um, going forward, but um, that's kind of the, the thing I have to do here the next couple of weeks is I'll be chatting with some of our returning players and some of our prospects just to kind of introduce myself and the program and kind of the vision and goals that we want, um, get them into the new rink if they haven't been in there and, um, you know, go over that stuff. So uh, once we figure out that, yeah, you might add uh, one or two guys from last year. We had a few guys from the States. So you definitely have a few of those guys that fill your roster, um, you know, as, as, uh, as you build your team. How long have you been involved in hockey? Uh, I've been involved. Uh, this is my eighth year now. Um, I started out coaching for the first, um, well, I guess, six years and then um, kind of got into the scouting for the past two seasons with the ice. So uh, before that, I was coaching and that was my goal and um, kind of what I wanted to be. And then the opportunity came up with the ice and um, I jumped all over and it's, I've been very happy and, and uh, glad I did. I assume you played hockey when you were younger? Yeah, I played a little bit, um, midget, and one year junior before I went to school. Um, I come from a you know family, a family of that uh, work in hockey, so it's always been you know a dream of mine, a passion of mine to stay in the game at, in some aspect and and work in the game. So um, I have a lot of you know good mentors um, with my dad working in the game and my uncle. So um, it's always been a dream of mine and a passion of mine to stay in the game in some way and and work in the game. Now, you're from Saskatchewan, right? Yeah, yeah, from uh, Whitewood, Saskatchewan. You have no problem living in Winnipeg? <laughs> It'll be a little bit of an adjustment. We actually, uh, my family and I, we moved to Notre Dame, where we still are right now um, for the past three years. So it's about a town of 300 people, and Whitewood is only 1,000. So I'm sure it'll be a, a little bit of a change for us, but uh, we're all excited and looking forward to the move. Big rider family or no? Uh, you know, a little bit being from Saskatchewan, I think you always got to cheer for the riders. It's kind of, uh, kind of in your blood a little bit. So, well, just don't maybe advertise it too much, but now <laughs> yeah, that you're here. Yeah, no, I'll definitely be keeping that to myself. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate your time, Terrace. Congratulations again on the new role and uh, best of luck this off season heading into the fall. Perfect. Thank you. This afternoon in Winnipeg, Wayne and Dave Babich, along with Mayor Bowman, helped launch the inaugural Hockey Helps the Homeless Winnipeg Tournament. What's the charity about? Want to know more about the tournament? Well, you're in luck because we have Ryan Bailey, Executive Director of Hockey Helps the Homeless, on the line. Ryan, what is Hockey Helps the Homeless? 
Yeah, so at Hockey Helps the Homeless, we, we exist to raise charitable dollars for our local homeless support agencies. We host Pro-Am Charity Hockey Tournaments is our, is our main vehicle to do that. So we're coast to coast. We host Pro-Am events where amateur players get the opportunity to play alongside their childhood heroes, NHL alumni and female Olympians in many of our cities. And we generate money through corporate sponsorship and through player dollars, player fundraising. And we give that money away locally. 100% of what we raise stays in the city in which that event was hosted. And together we give away uh, over $2.6 million annually and $16 million since inception. And how long has it been around? So technically we've been going uh, since 1996. That said, really the growth of the organization started in 2004 when the first Pro-Am was hosted in Montreal. And since then, we've expanded to other cities across the country. A lot of the growth has come in the last eight years. And is this something where when you say cities, you're talking like the big, big cities, Edmonton, Calgary, Toronto, Winnipeg, or do you go to some smaller places too? Yeah, good question. So we are in all of the major cities with the exception of Ottawa, and we're not yet in Regina and Saskatoon, but we are Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, Montreal, now in Winnipeg, uh, Halifax, and Toronto. And there are a few smaller cities as well, some smaller markets, so Kitchener, Waterloo, and Ontario, Barrie, Markham, and we're looking to expand to a, a couple more of the what we call OHL cities or Tier 2 cities in Ontario uh, as well. So you said now in Winnipeg. So is this kind of you're just introducing this to Winnipeg recently? Yeah. So we just kicked off our official launch with a press conference this afternoon, which went really well. Mayor Bowman was there and Dave and Wayne Babich. We also had Fraser McLaren show up and, and a couple of pros uh, that were unexpected, which is really nice. And so we officially kicked it off. We've been working on this event for a couple of months now. Uh, so there's always a lot of work that goes into even uh, kicking off the press conference. But now it is official uh, that we'll be in Winnipeg on December 5th and 6th, 2019, for the first ever Hockey Helps the Homeless Pro-Am event. And that will be at the uh, arena downtown? You know what? No, it's not. It's going to be in, so there's two events in question. So Thursday evening, we're going to host a draft night. That's at Pony Corral downtown. They have been generous enough to donate the space to us as well as the food. And that is when all of our players will draft their NHL alumni, their Jets alumni member to participate with the next day in the tournament, which is at Seven Oaks Arena. Okay. And that's a beautiful new complex that they've built there. Yeah, you know what? It's really nice. We've been through a few times. It's a two-pad facility. The staff there have been wonderful to work with, but it's really nice, well-kept, brand new. Uh, it's going to be a perfect venue for us to kick off our first event. So you mentioned the money goes to locally. Who in Winnipeg will be benefiting from the money raised? Yes, we've got three beneficiaries. Red Road Lodge, Ray, which is Resource Assistance for Youth, and Willow Place. So we are targeting three demographics of the homeless in the community, which is typically men uh, at Red Road Lodge. Women as well are supported there. Ray, which is youth that are homeless and at risk. And then Willow Place, which is women and children. 100% of net proceeds will stay local and they'll be divided equally between those three organizations. Is there a, spe a specific reason those three were chosen? 
You know what? We looked at organizations. There's a number of wonderful organizations in Winnipeg that are doing great work in the homelessness space. We chose to focus on organizations where we could ensure that we targeted those three specific demographics. We asked a lot of questions in advance of selecting our beneficiaries about the programs that they offer, where our dollars would go. And we really, really uh, liked the programs and the, the descriptions that came back from those three organizations. So it allows us to target those three specific demographics. We also know that our dollars are going to go a long way in these organizations. Uh, so they'll be able to quantify the impact, which we can then share with our participants and our donors and our sponsors. And we know that the money is going to be invested very wisely. Can you say some of the names that are going to be involved in the game in December? Yeah, absolutely. So Dave and Wayne Babich, the Babich brothers, uh, are going to be joining us for sure. Of course, Wayne still resides in Winnipeg. Dave is in Vancouver. He plays with us out there, uh, but a longtime Jet. He'll be joining us. Lori Boschman is confirmed to join us. We want Jets. We want either Jets or guys that are Winnipeg-born that played in the NHL. Uh, So there's going to be a nice complement of both uh, guys like Morris Lukowicz, who plays with us in Calgary, Uh, Trevor Kidd, who's not too far away. Uh, We have a great connection through to him. So over the next couple of months here, we'll lock in the balance of our pro roster. But uh, just a few names there initially uh, to get us started. And you said amateur players from here are going to be playing against the alumni? Yes. No, with the alumni. So the way it works, yeah, exactly. So a team sponsor will sign up. We've actually locked in all 10 of our team sponsors at this point. So we are in a waiting list situation, but uh, in the next couple of months, we will have those team sponsors fill their rosters in, 15 amateur players, 14 skaters, and a goalie. Every one of those players commits to raising at least $500 by puck drop to participate. And then the top fundraising team at the draft on the Thursday evening will select the first pro, second top fundraising team, the second pro, and down the line through 10. Why are you passionate about this? It, it is, this organization combines two passions of mine, which is sport and giving back to the communities in which we live and work. And the opportunity to travel across the country to do good, to raise funds for organizations that are doing wonderful work for those that are homeless and at risk is an absolute honor and no better way to do it than through the great game of hockey. And so to see the NHL alumni step up, our female Olympians, the way they liaise with our players, and by noon on game day, it's like they've known each other their entire lives. We handpick our pros. We handpick the guys that are, are going to participate with us that we know get it, understand the cause, understand their role on game day. And it just makes for such an energy, creates such an energy on game day uh, that propels us across the country uh, each and every year as we just try to strive and, and put on more events and, and more cities and create even greater impact. Do you ever watch the, the game in action and th- think you want to get out there on the ice? You know what? The game days for us are so busy uh, that it's, it's impossible. I always laugh when we're at a draft night and, and somebody says, so you lace it up tomorrow, and it's it just the thought of it is if if it is there ever it's fleeting uh but it would be nice it would be nice to get a sense of how our 
our players are, are truly what the experience is like from ice level, but uh, we do interact so often with our players throughout the year. We get a lot of great feedback, and, and that's as close as I can, I can get. Well, Ryan, I appreciate you taking time to talk to me tonight. Uh, can, good luck on this endeavor, and maybe we'll check in with you as we get closer to puck drop in the winter. That, that's great. Thanks for having me, Christian. Much okay. appreciated. So going into this movie, as with all movies, I try to know as little as possible. And it's not so much a sports movie as it is sports adjacent. <laughs> yeah, it's a war movie. Yeah. But it's a prisoner of war movie, I suppose. Well, it's suspect. a war movie, yeah. But the last 20 minutes are pretty sportsy. Yes, but there's a long stretch in the middle where you're thinking, are they going to get to the soccer game? Yeah. Or are we just going to follow Sylvester Stallone around for a while here? Exactly. So we should explain what it is. It's called Victory or Escape to Victory. Depending on what part of the world you live in. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, it's a John Huston movie. He's a legendary director from 1981 starring Stallone and Michael Caine as prisoners of war during World War II. And then the guy, the German in charge. They're of- allied forces. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then the German guy in charge of their little prisoner war camp is played by Max von Sydow. He's also a very famous actor. Christian, in case you didn't know. I did not know. He didn't, yeah. He did, and he does stuff like this very well. Okay. Uh, and he's a soccer enthusiast, and he says, hey, why don't we get these allied soldiers. Who are playing, just, you know, messing around. He sees them, soccer. Yeah, but, he sees them playing soccer at the camp. And he recognizes Michael Caine, who used to be a soccer star back in the day. But he's like, he's 48 years old when they made this movie. So the German says, hey, we'll get some, the, our German national team to play you prisoners or whatever in a soccer. And, and he's just, Max von Tito's just doing this because he likes soccer. Yeah. And that's evident at the end by his reaction to everything that goes down. And then, the and you know, they thought, hey, this could be good morale for the soldiers as well. Stallone insists on joining the team, forces himself onto the team because he wants to use it as a means of escape. And he is an American. What? Who joined the Canadian Army. Yeah. I had to rewind that a couple of times. Like, wait, I keep calling him American, but I could have sworn at the beginning he said right. he joined the Canadian Army. Yeah, well, okay. We're not going to worry about that. But A little bit. We should yeah, worry. his whole goal, he just wants to get out. Yeah. And then there's about a 20-minute sequence of he actually gets out, and he's going to go to Paris to try to figure out a way that the team can escape while they're playing their soccer yeah. game in Paris. Meets the French resistance. So he meets the French resistance, figures out a plan. He has to go back to the camp. That was the most unrealistic thing that happened. You're just going to go back? No. you're just gonna... And that they just like, okay, you can go back to the same camp you came from. Nah, he'd be executed. Yeah. Almost immediately. Yeah. So he goes back, he tells the people what the plan is and then they they play the soccer game and uh, Pele's on the team every pretty much every other soccer player on this team is an actual pro player yeah in real life yeah and this is it's, it's assumed, like a lot of the movies we've seen they actually hire real athletes this is basically their one acting credit and they didn't really have to no for what they showed because the soccer wasn't none the, of those great. guys get any of the glory that not compared to what Pele gets like mm-hmm. I swear the Producers called Palin's like, if you're in our movie, we are going to make your goal such a big deal. Mm. They sh- they slow motion replayed it like four, four times. times. I know. I didn't think and that it was, was his necessary. little windmill or bicycle, bicycle kick, kick yeah. where he does it uh, behind him. Over I like when he, the ball rolls to him at the camp. He's the only black dude there, and he just juggles <laughs> for about ten <laughs> seconds, and they says, "Hey, you're on the team." <laughs> But they made such a meal out of that goal. Even the Nazis were cheering for him. I was like, okay, that's right. Also, I'm just a, a little thing I appreciate in movies. When they actually have the foreign language with subtitles as opposed to people with just like a German accent speaking English yeah. to each other. Yeah. It's like that, that makes it more realistic. That's, that's just cool. a, Especially um, if it's just a little bit. Stallone, just as a person, 
is unlikable in this movie. It's hard to cheer for him. He's weird. It's weird. Still, he tries to be funny a lot, and funny Stallone is very strange. Yeah, it's. I don't like him, and apparently he was a kind of egomaniacal in the process of making this movie. He is in the egomaniac when it comes to every movie, and this. I looked it up, and what they made the change the ending with the goal. He was the goalie. Yeah, so he he wanted to score the winning goal. He's like, I, I got to get the winning goal. I got to get the winning goal. And they said, dude, you're a goalie. So they let him stop the penalty shot. Come on, Hutch. Come on. And it was a tie. And it was a four-all draw. And it was 4-1 at the half for the Germans because the refs were not great and they were trying to hurt the Allied forces. And I think they were better. And then somehow Sylvester Stallone didn't allow a goal in the second half, which, you know what, ble- it's not a very ble- – it's, it's a fictional movie, okay? So there's that. And they're going to escape at halftime. The French Resistance comes up into the locker room, empties the tub of water into the tunnel, and they're 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 down the hatch. And then one of the guys says, "I think we could do it. Yeah, we, we could beat them. There's a chance." I don't want to well, go for you. Didn't Let's go on. back. We can win this. Who said that? I did. It's not as though we're being slow to skipper. What do you mean we can win? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Colby, we're losing time. You mean you, mean you go back and play the second half? Well, I'll tell you Let's move. We only got a few minutes. Yes, but we can win this. Uh, you, you can't win we... with me in the goal. Of course we can. He's not a bad goalie, is he? What the hell's the matter with you guys? You want to go back to prison? And then they they all t- convince Stallone's character, and they they go win the soccer game, tie the soccer game. The crowd goes crazy, and there's this enormous stampede of fans on the pitch. And the players blend in, and they get out. That was a cool ending. I did like that. I was like, "Oh, that makes sense." You don't way think better that, plan than there you don't think the German Nazi guards would have opened fire? No, not against those people. They they were collapsed. The thing it was too much stuff that they were overwhelmed. They weren't sure what was going on. Max von Sydow didn't care. He was like, "This is awesome. I like this soccer game." These uh, these people were sort of like over the war at that point. They were just like, "We've occupied this country. We don't want to." They're kind of tired of it. Yeah. So. Yeah, so that, that didn't, and it's a movie and it's got to have a happy ending, so I let it go. And I like that they just, and they had said right before the game, wow, the security here is not a good situation for us, the right. Germans. Yeah. This is bad, and sure enough it was, so I was like, sure that enough. plays out. Uh, we must mention this, the tiny little scene where Sylvester Stallone is in this the, the Resistance's house with this uh, French woman with her, her son, and there's they spend like three minutes together, but... Then when he leaves, there's like this really intense embrace, and then he she has to find him at the game once it's done. And I thought, what he was there for a night? What is going That's on here? That's more of his ego. He's like, look, it, it's not realistic that you know that I. I'm a transient war. That I go to bed with this lady, but we have to make it look like it could have happened if I wanted it to. Because that's the kind of ego he You know the movie Cobra that he's in? No, it's an 80s movie he was in. It's based on a book, and apparently he tried to convince the author of the book that was, the movie was based on that his name should appear as the author on the cover of the book what? from that point forward because he's the one that made it popular with his movie. And it's a terrible movie. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's that's the kind of stuff that Stallone does. I don't like and that. he's short. He is famously yes. short. And I noticed that. I didn't a really... lot of the actors were short. I was like, he made them hire shorter actors so he doesn't look as short well, all the time. there's one shot where the players are all standing in a line before the game starts. Yeah. And he's standing next to Michael Caine. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, he's way taller than Stallone. And I looked it up. Michael Caine is 6'2". And Stallone's 5'9". Yeah, and everyone says the 5'9's a lie. Everyone says it's more like 5'7". Okay, that's that's surprising. <laughs> I mean, because I I, I'm obviously... He spent a I'm lot of his big, career standing on Apple boxes. I believe that. And I'm not a big movie guy, so when I see Michael Caine, I obviously think of Alfred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but it's like, oh, young Michael Caine. Okay, cool. <laughs> Michael Caine. Oh, his his accent's a joy to listen to. You know whose accents I couldn't stand? The upper crust of the officers in the British regiment oh. or whatever. <laughs> oh, Charlie Beaver. I was all, what, 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 what. I was just like, what? And you ought to be exhibited in Paris like performing fleas. It was so weird. But that was just, that was more a function, I think, of movie making from 40 years ago. What? Okay, so let, now we, as we always do, we have to get to the actual sports scenes and how they are shot. So the really the only comment like, we can have is the game because the training is very minimal and they're training on dirt and they actually get to a grass pitch. But I like uh, Pele's, the, he drew up a plan on the chalkboard. And it's just him. And it's just him zigzagging all the way. Cool. I have to give me ball. Here, I do this, 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 go. Easy. I laughed a lot. So the soccer plays were designed by Pele. It's in the credits. Did you like the game action in the in the in the the big game? Which you know, I did enjoy it. I was like, wow, this is. It's not like the camera work is isn't what you ex- certainly isn't what you would see now. Again, this movie is almost forty years old. A lot of high point. shots. Yeah, a lot of high shots. It was a weird stadium, but I thought it was. I thought it was fun. They didn't. I mean, because if you just do like a wide shot of soccer, it's always not necessarily exciting. There's a lot of get to the other end of the field already. Yeah, so they did a good job of cutting that away. It was there would be some weird shots of I think I think Pele, where it's like we got to get before he got injured, Mm -hmm. and it was just him like moving the ball in circles around the guy for like 20 seconds and then he kicked it away. I was like, what did I just watch? (laughs) What's the point of that? And then he gets injured and he comes back. And he spends... So they played with 10 men for when after Pele went did out. Did they not have extras? Oh. They went with 10 men. And then he, when he comes back, he's just clutching his chest for the rest of the game. I was like, if you're in no shape to play the game if you have to clutch Except your chest while you do and it. He was fine. And they still scored, yeah. And it, was just like, it, was, it looked so weird. What did you think of it? That was fine. There's yeah. a lot of uh, like dink and dunk. Like It didn't look great. I, I think they just said go play and they filmed it I think so too and Stallone clearly had no idea what he was doing well and neither did Michael Caine he yeah. sucked at soccer apparently someone <laughs> said he couldn't run 20 yards but also noticed that there wasn't a single action shot of Caine playing soccer in the that's movie, true right he's just there and, and Stallone a lot of the Stallone, playing goalie and Stallone got a lot of action shots of what seemed to be very weak kicks coming his way and just him like hey oh, look out over there I'll watch up behind you what do I do in a corner kick what do I do in a corner kick Adrian <laughs> <laughs> well, when they won or the victory, he he did the same arms up that he did at the end of Rocky. So, well, when you when you win something, that's a common reaction, I guess. His, but his, and I guess that's his. That's he, his thing. he would look the same, yeah. So, uh, I enjoyed it though. I enjoyed all the prison camp stuff. Okay, immensely. I, I wasn't sure what to expect from this movie. Like you, I'd only learned about it for the first time a few weeks ago. So, and I was talking to some friends, and they'd never heard of it. And it's like I was Stallone. And Michael Caine in a John Huston movie, not something that people know about. So, your final rating? Mm, let me see here. I will give it seven and a half corner kicks out of ten. Okay. I was going to give it 6.5 useless guards out of ten. This afternoon in Winnipeg, Wayne and Dave Babich, along with Mayor Bowman and others, helped launch the inaugural Helpy. <laughs> Tune in to the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. 
If you got an Android, then I think you're out of luck. But Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen? Happen.